baby, we're back. Hour number two. It's Friday. You got to jump. In the realm of topics that we're not going to spend a ton of time on today, I see the talking heads out there very interested in Russell Westbrook having shot 0 for 11 last night. It is uh... – hey, Chris, don't sweat it. I get mistaken for Brad Pitt all the time. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that'd be nice to get mistaken. That would be. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't think many of us are getting mistaken for Brad Pitt. No. Uh, regrettably. Uh, Russell Westbrook is just not going to end well, is it, uh, in Los Angeles? No, and uh, he's – I don't know if he likes coming off the bench either. So, man, he's getting close to kind of the end of his career. He just doesn't know, you know what team does he need to be on. And I don't think L.A.'s A that, bad team where yeah, he could go a bad team. pad some stats. I don't I mean, think L.A.'s just not the right which, move. Which, hey, L.A.'s a bad team, I guess. They are, yeah. <laughs> he's got that part figured out. He's just it's not those pieces around him. So, we got that. There's a bunch of people, of course, that are breaking uh, the Lakers' struggles down today. They're already 0-2. The uh, Major League Baseball playoffs, ALCS, Houston has jumped in front two games to none. Looked like the Yankees a couple of times late. I thought maybe we were going to tie that ball game up. Judge what had the big fly out the yep. right that uh, the warning track. Yeah, just stayed in, just stayed in. So when, the but every, everyone was saying, "Oh man, that ball gets out at Yankee Stadium." Well, you're well, playing, you're playing at Houston. Yeah, it probably does. But yeah, the Yankees come up short, which I love it. I don't mind seeing the Astros beat the Yankees. But the Phillies, on the other hand, man, the Phillies are on a roll. They got hot really quickly late in the year, and they're up 2-0. Or no, it's not 2-0. It's all even. It's all even, 1-1. Looked like Padres. it was going to be 2-0. Looked like it was. Yeah, they were up for, for zip in game two, and then uh, the Padres came alive and uh, won 8-5, 8-5 in game two. Yeah, what time is that game tonight? Let me be. see. It's up in... I'm rooting for the winner there to to capture the whole shebang. Six thirty-seven. Six thirty-seven. Padres at, at Phillies. the Phillies. Phillies going to be wild tonight. That is. Which they're San Diego's be, been wild. They're going to be ready to rock. In Petco Park's been pretty. Uh, it's been pretty cool to see uh, Petco Park throughout the playoffs. These these fan bases that have just been starved. Right. When you when you get a look at those in the postseason, it's just fun. It's just fun seeing fan bases. Well, it, Phillies are one of those. It's been, I, I know. It's been a while. It's been a while. So that place is going to be rocking tonight. Yeah. Do you have a rooting interest, Major League Baseball wise? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, mostly pulling for the Padres above everybody. But to me, uh, NL champ, and I'm usually a an American League guy, right? Got to stick with my Royals and everybody else. Yeah. Let's band together, brothers, in the American League. But I think I'm rooting for whoever comes out of the NL yeah. in the World Series. I like the I like the Phillies just based on they haven't won in a while. I like to see a new team get in there and try to try to win the World Series, and the Phillies have a chance to do that. So I'll, I'll be rooting for the Phillies. Nobody, right? Unless you're a Yankees fan, is probably rooting for the Yankees. Though I, you know, I kind of dig, uh, you know, the Judge home run chase, and I like Stanton. They've they're the Yankees, right? They've always got yeah. stars. The Astros, I'm probably, uh, I don't know, I kind of consider myself over the whole scandal with the Astros. Like, whatever. Clearly they're back and they're leading two games to none. So if you didn't think it then, probably you should think it now that, yeah, were they cheating? Were they still in signs? Absolutely. But is that the only reason they won a World Series? No, no. it clearly was not. So I- I'm kind of beyond that part of it, though. I'm not rooting for the Strohs. 
but uh, it's been fun. Anyways, that's probably enough baseball <laughs> yeah. for one morning. You got to see Jacoby Johnson last night. I know everybody's dialed into what was going on with Jackson Arnold, but uh, what were your impressions of Jacoby Johnson? He's a special talent. I think the Sooners are getting a really good player and athlete. I mean, I mainly saw him at receiver last night. He played, a, I think, for the first half, had two touchdown catches. Man, he's explosive and fast. And defensively, he played cornerback. Man, he can cover some ground. Uh, Norman's quarterback, Tyus McClarty, if you don't know him, he's really quick and fast quarterback. But, man, there'd be times that Jacoby Johnson's on the other side of the field and he, he'll go chase down McClarty on the right side to the sideline. So he's explosive, fast. He can cover a lot of ground. I think he has a chance to play early, early on in his career in Norman. Spe- special kid. There's the reason why he's a four-star. No doubt, yeah. And uh, both sides of the football, right? Yep, he played both sides. Both sides of the football. He's really good. And he, he was he was a little banged up coming into the game and looked like he was hobbling off the field. I know it's not a great sign. I hope he gets better, but still fought through the fought through the injury and still played really well. Six foot three sounds not too bad in a sooner secondary. That sounds really good for a defensive back. Six three, two hundred, and can run like that. It doesn't look like he's running hard. But, man, it's just so fluid, and he's so fast. He's very natural he is. with what he's doing, no, no doubt. He's always been that way over at Mustang from really the word go. I mean, he's been doing this for, I don't know, feels like every year he's been at Mustang yeah. for each of the past four and definitely each of the last three, no doubt about that. So, yeah, he's a, he's a talent, man, and it's it's huge that Oklahoma was able to get him as part of this class. I would I would have saw more at him in defensive back if Norman passes the ball, but they're mainly a running team. So we didn't really see the ball skills yeah, you didn't from see Jacoby the Johnson. Coverage and ball or skills. Test, yeah, testing out the corners. They didn't really throw it to Jacoby Johnson's side at all. Yeah, that's I mean, probably I don't blame a recipe. Him. I don't blame him. But. Probably a recipe a lot of teams in Oklahoma not going not gonna to try that one out a whole bunch. Somebody, uh, part of the reason I wanted to dive into some recruiting is obviously – Jackson Arnold, everybody got a look at Jackson Arnold last night, and uh, I, I knew you were out there taking in a little bit of Jacoby Johnson. And we've got somebody who's asked us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Anything new on Peyton Bowen? I heard he's taking an unofficial to uh, Oregon this weekend, which, hey, picking a good good week to go check out yeah, Oregon. Good game, yeah, go, good game to go for an unofficial visit. Here's what our man Travis uh responded back which I would also say that you've got a wonderful resource coming up from noon until three in one Parker Thune who will have plenty of thoughts no doubt on everything that happened with Jackson Arnold and company down there last night he was he was there front and center but here's what Travis had to say Uh, Bowen's set to take an official to Oregon other than that uh, no news he feels like it's a good thing that Bowen's taken the visit Uh, Notre Dame has a similar policy as Brent Venables when it comes to taking officials. So it's a sign from Bowen that there's some public distancing happening there. So that, you could say, is good news for Oklahoma. So that's kind of where we're at with Peyton Bowen. Obviously, seems like Oklahoma very much still in the mix, right? I don't think that uh, Oklahoma slowed down its full-court press at all. It would be nice to get him a teammate of Jackson Arnold. Too. We'll see how it plays out, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, it'd be ginormous, but I think they're still right in the mix, just ba- just based on the commitment with Jackson Arnold. 
he's going to do his best to recruit Bowen to OU. So, defensively, where is Oklahoma at? This is uh, that moment where finally we pay off the tease, right? Sorry for the 45-minute tease here for everybody this morning. Oklahoma defensively, we know it's not been stupendous, right? There's been plenty of issues so far this season. And if there's one thing that you can fix throughout the bye week, you and I, we kind of started there this morning for Oklahoma. What do you want to fix? Tighten up defensively, right? That, that's, that's what you would like to see. So what do some of the numbers look like for Oklahoma as we get to the bye week right now? Well, in the all-important category, where is Oklahoma at in terms of scoring defense? They are not one of the top scoring defenses. They're 101st nationally. Oklahoma allowing 31 points per game. And that figure is is worse than that in Big 12 play, which is, uh, you know, alarming that uh, the, the number's worse as you've gotten into conference play. So that 31 points per game average for the meat and potatoes of the schedule for OU, really that 31 points per game allowed number isn't necessarily indicative of how poorly things have gone for OU. It's actually gotten worse than that for Oklahoma. Big uh, crux of the problem for the Sooners you guys know this, the inability to stop the run. Oklahoma right now, 121st nationally yeah, not good. in run defense. Uh, Sooners allowing 207.4 rushing yards per game. Passing defense, believe it or not, is 30 spots higher than it was a season ago. Remember, OU was not good defending the pass a year ago, and probably some of this is just the inability of Oklahoma to stop the run, right? Teams are like... Well, if we can just sit here and run the football against Oklahoma, we're, we're not going to keep gonna, doing that. Right. We're not going to overthink the deal. Uh, Oklahoma is surrendering 239.7 passing yards per game. That's 79th nationally. So not good in that regard either, though it is technically 30 spots ahead of where they were to end last season. Total defense, again, that bottom third uh, nationally, 115th in total yards surrendered per game. 447.1 yards per game. That's what OU's given up. And then the red zone defense, too. I think they were at 60, ranked 66 coming into that Kansas game. But Kansas, uh, six trips to the red zone, uh, six touchdowns. So I'm sure that went down quite a bit. So red zone defense, they were kind of middle of the road. And then Kansas does what Kansas does. And obviously uh, the, the numbers – quite a bit different after that and actually it's interesting that you bring that up because that was one of the one of the things I wanted to talk about right how do you fix this defense what what are the fixes for you Oklahoma now by the way 83rd in red zone defense they uh, allow their opponent to score 85.7 percent of the time same as Nebraska, which that's always great company when you're keeping company with Nebraska. 24 out of 28 trips opponents have scored, and 21 out of those 28 trips, it's been touchdowns oh, man. for opponents. So, to me, if you are what you are defensively, Connor, how can you get better on that side of the football? Well, one of those ways you can get better is – in that regard, right? You get to the tight zone of the football field, the red area of the red zone. Can you 
more often than 21 out of 28 times force teams to settle for three or to gamble on a fourth down here or there that they don't get inside the red zone area. Last week versus Kansas, the answer was no. No. You, you were not getting stops for field goal tries. Kansas was cashing those in for touchdowns. And I think that was the most glaring problem that, uh, you know, just in addition to a couple of the turnovers that Oklahoma had offensively, that, again, Kansas was very quickly able to pay off for touchdowns. To me, just, you know, being in attendance, watching that game, and somebody says, no, Oklahoma cannot do that (laughs) from the 918. Very confident. That, to me, is the most pronounced problem that Oklahoma has, that I saw watching the game, was – Third downs to, you know, just really up to this point in the entirety of the season. you got to get better in third down defense, which means that you have to somehow find a way to dial it up better on first and second down, which, you know, at times it feels like Oklahoma's done that, and they're just not on the winning down, which is third down. They're not getting off the field. And then in the red zone, you're just not forcing kicks. Yeah, then uh, from nine one eight because they don't have the guys up front. I mean, they are a little undersized up front. You got Jalen Redmond, uh, the Johnson kid, the Tulane transfer. He's been all right this year, but they they just they got to get tougher up front and get those stops in the red zone. I think Parker Thune pointed this out first, but on that third and goal on the one yard line, Key Lawrence has a chance to fill that hole and make a tackle, make a play, and he just lets the guy go by. Those are the plays that you need right there. You got the first two stops on the first and second down, and you got a chance to get a stop right there and try to force them to a field goal or for them to go on fourth down and get a stop. It's just plays like that. You got to get a lot tougher in the trenches, especially in the red zone. You got to start holding teams to a field goal. You can't keep getting in these shootouts and keep allowing a touchdown. How to improve OU's red zone defense? It's easy. Just make them score from outside the red zone. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> don't allow well, get, don't allow so him to too. get to the red zone. He, <laughs> not when he says he was at Tulane for a reason. Yes, Jeffrey I mean, he, Johnson. He was, yes, Jeffrey Johnson. He was good at Tulane, but yeah, starting to show a little bit. I mean, he's been a solid player for them on the defensive line, but we really haven't seen him like stick out much. Yeah, and there's not not much push on the defensive line. Feels like they are the ones that's getting pushed back. You want to hear something that? Uh will bother you a little bit. What's that? For all of the folks that feel that way. And this is, I don't know, you tell me, maybe an indictment of pro football focus. Jeffrey Johnson is Oklahoma's highest graded defensive player. He is. I. It's just odd to me. In the first four games, maybe I'm just not paying much attention to the defensive line, but I didn't really see him much a play at all. But then I'll go in the box score, and it shows he has four tackles. He's only seen 144 snaps, though. Yeah. So he's he's not uh, not been out there a ton. The top snaps getters look like this, by the way. No surprise, it's the linebackers. Danny Stutzman, uh, this is per PFF. So, I mean, maybe the numbers. Uh, I'm assuming the numbers are right, but if they're not, this is this is pro football focuses snap count numbers. Danny Stutzman, 469 snaps. Aguebu, 449. Deshaun White, 432. Woody Washington, 393 snaps. Broyles, 308. Reggie Grimes and Jaden Davis have both seen 294. Ethan Downs, who uh, obviously now we know is a little bit banged up, has seen 276 snaps. Same thing for Billy Bowman, 253 snaps. Morrison, 237. Laula, 
234, and we could keep on going down. But that gives you an indication of kind of who the top snap count getters have been for Oklahoma defensively so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with some of the folks out there. He was at Tulane for a reason. Here's another 918 texter. He was at Tulane, yes, but we weren't the only big-time program recruiting him from the transfer portal. That's true, and again, it's not as though, according to this, he's just getting a ton of snaps out there. I mean, he's only he's only seen 144. Kelly's still seen a buck 60. Uh, Redmond 218, which you would expect Jalen Redmond to see a bunch of snaps. Jonah Laula has seen 234 snaps for Oklahoma. And you've, and, seen, you've seen a lot more from Isaiah Coe, too, right? Yeah, he's got 156, so they're rotating those guys pretty evenly. R. Mason Thomas feels like he's somebody that these last couple of weeks is starting to get some serious run as Oklahoma's maybe just working some different options. Gilliam has had 91 snaps, so I don't know. It doesn't feel, though, like Oklahoma does have that true difference maker up front. So the red zone defense thing, yeah, it probably is. Any problem that Oklahoma has defensively probably does start and end right there, right? The great defenses nationally, guess what? They're getting push up front. They're getting, which Oklahoma's been fairly good in the tackles for loss department, in part because of how well they started this season. I I don't know. I'll have to check some of these numbers the last couple of weeks. Kansas, they had some TFLs. Uh, Texas, I don't remember a lot in the TFL department versus Texas. TCU didn't feel like Oklahoma was good there. So these last several weeks, I don't know that Oklahoma's been great in the tackles for loss department, but right now they're 12th nationally in that regard, and yet – I don't know. It doesn't feel like Oklahoma's been altogether super impactful in you know from that standpoint. Maybe the numbers tell a different story, but Oklahoma's clearly a defense right now that you know whether it's playing younger guys, Connor, and seeing if you can find some push from younger players, or just getting better results from these older guys, the transfers, you know, additions that you've had. They. they you know, somewhere the rest of the way. I get that you you are a little bit of what you are at this point, but I do think you can still get more more production defensively. And Oklahoma's got to figure out a way to get that coming out of the bye week. Yeah, you got to see more from the guys. I mean, the youngsters, Robert Spears, Jennings in the secondary, I thought he looked really good, came in, laid a big hit on Bean towards the sideline. But, man, you just got to have that bend but don't break philosophy on defense. When you get to the red zone, you just got to force them to field goals. The pace that you run on offense with Dylan Gabriel, you got to start forcing some field goals on defensively. You can't keep getting into shootouts. But I really feel like from the games here on out, we're going to get to those shootout games with OU. I don't know if we'll see it in Ames, but after that, I think you may see some shootouts, whether it's with Baylor, Texas Tech, I think you'll see that, and Oklahoma State and Norman as well. We've got so much from you out there. La Ulu, not La Ula. Sorry, Mustang Casey. La, la, 
<laughs> we'll I'm get, already struggling. Well, it's, it's not you. It's Lulu. You know, you know what they say, Connor. It's not you. It's me, my friend. <laughs> I'm the one uh, that's that's been butchering the pronunciation. Sorry about that, Mustang Casey. We'll get it squared away for you. That way, you don't have to drive off the road on this Friday. But we got a bunch of responses on what's going on with the defense, and uh, let's just rifle through a bunch of those throughout this second hour as we begin our how can we somewhat fix this Oklahoma defense. I'm not under any illusions here that the Sooners somehow by season's end are going to be you know, the best defense in the Big 12 or the best defense we've seen at Oklahoma at any time in uh, recent years. But uh, I, I would like to see that compass start turning around before the end of the year. So let's see, let's see uh, what we can do with Oklahoma. What are what are some fixes that are realistic coming out of this bye week the rest of the way? So, we'll do that. We'll hear from you and we'll keep rolling along. It's a Friday on the Plank Show. Josh and Connor back with you on the Home of Sooner Fans after this. Hour number two of the Plank Show brought to us by Allison Insurance. Give them a call 405-745-2968. That's allisoninsurance.com. Health insurance, life insurance, Medicare supplements, HSAs, and more. Bob and Robert Allison, they can find the needs to best fit you and your office for insurance. Allison Insurance has been helping you and your family for over 60 years. 405-745-2968, the number to call. Would you like to hear from Jackson Arnold, Connor? I would. Yeah, let's hear from the five-star OU commit. This is uh, courtesy of Sooner Gridiron, by the way, and courtesy of the text line that uh, sent this our direction. This is Jackson Arnold afterwards last night on the broadcast. Wait for it. Maybe. Perhaps. I don't know. Whatever. From what we did the night, okay, I mean, here I we, go. we can compete with. Jackson, you wanted to show the nation what Dengar was all about. What statement did this team make here tonight? A huge statement. I mean, from what we did the night, I mean, I think we could compete with literally everyone in the nation. We we played a great game tonight, a really good execution. I'm super proud of our guys tonight. From the first drive offensively, you got it done through the air, on the ground all night. How were you able to create a rhythm offensively? I think it all starts with that first drive, to be honest. I mean, there's been games where we haven't scored the first drive, and we've been very slow that first half. And I think that first touchdown really kick-started our offense for the night. I know we only had, what we have, 14 and a half. Um, you know, that is kind of slow, but if we didn't get that first touchdown, we'd be in a completely different situation right now. I know your your heart, your mind is here, focused right now on Denton Geyer for the rest of this season, but there's a lot of Sooners fans watching this game. So what's your message to all of them here tonight? Man, I'm locked in, man. I'm so excited to get up to Norman. I mean, I'm I'm going to finish this season out with a with the uh, state championship, obviously. But I'm super excited to get up to Norman. Jackson Arnold, thank you so much. Impressive performance here tonight. Enjoyed it. There you go. Locked in. Locked in. He uh, is ready to get to Norman, Oklahoma. So, and you know, True Sooner was asking that question earlier today. Why is it that we keep hearing, "Hey, he's solid with OU. He's solid with OU." Well, again, people keep asking. Even right there, I mean, that basically, she didn't outright ask that question, but I feel like in some way, shape, or form, it was sort of, hey, are you still going to OU? Well, it's just that new thing in recruiting now. You can commit, and then you have guys taking visits elsewhere. I mean, it's just a new, that's a new style. 
I mean, I love to hear him say that he's locked in, ready to go with OU. He looked really, really good. He did. His numbers were just ridiculous last night. He's going to be fun to watch, but I still think it's Dylan Gabriel for next year, and he's going to learn behind DG, and then you let him loose. 25 of 28 passing, 334 yards, four touchdowns, seven uh, totes for 78 yards and a, a score. So five touchdowns for Jackson Arnold. And yes, to the text line, it would be amazing to watch Denton Geyer versus Bixby. That would be Bixby. one heck of a football game. <laughs> Bixby needs some competition. I, mean, I feel like that would be a good game. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the direction we're headed is Oklahoma State champion versus Texas state champion we'll just we'll just see what happens just see what happens from there man he looked up really really good obviously he's a five-star for a reason I'm with you I think Dylan Gabriel clearly will be back in Norman next year what what would it take for Dylan Gabriel to not be back in Norman is there a scenario where he plays well enough to Climb up boards and and just kind of say, you know what, I, I'm good, I'm going. I don't. Talk about I don't, going to the draft. Yeah, I don't know that there is. Uh, but. I don't think so. I don't think he's going to be high on any uh, draft boards. I I feel like it's he's automatically he's going to come back next year, despite how much better he plays in this back half of the end, or this season. Oklahoma would probably have to win out, right? And I mean, he's got to be rolling up numbers similar to what he did versus Kansas. I just I just don't know that there's any scenario that gets Dylan Gabriel much higher than fourth, fifth round right now. Yeah, maybe the rest of the way. Yeah, I think just the best scenario is for him to come back next year and uh Jackson Arnold just learn behind Dylan Gabriel learned the ropes of the Jeff Levy offense. And then you got a, a full-fledged quarterback competition, right? Between Nick Evers and Jackson Arnold. Yeah. You on do. paper. Yeah. Have the chance for Nick Evers to get a lot better for next season. Maybe put on a little bit more weight, learn the offense a lot better. So yeah, I feel like that could be a quarterback competition between him and Jackson Arnold. I, I still think Jackson Arnold's the better quarterback, though, and that's the guy you want behind center after Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, I mean, you would think that way, right? Just based on the recruiting rankings and what have you. Though uh, Nick Evers didn't come to Oklahoma just to to be a backup That's for true. his entire career, and obviously he's he's going to give him a run for his money when when that day comes. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think that Dylan Gabriel is going to the NFL draft, right? I, I think that in part because of the way this season started out, probably some of the some of the sizzle has worn off a little bit on Dylan Gabriel. Not that he came into this season as some surefire top three rounds NFL draft guy. I mean, I think he came to Oklahoma with plenty to prove in that regard. And now all of a sudden, probably, and and this maybe this was the plan all along, right, was that Dylan Gabriel was going to be a multiple-year starter at Oklahoma. And it feels more so that it's that way than just one and done at OU for Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, the start of the season did not help for Dylan Gabriel, but, I mean, next year if he plays sensational, maybe you get OU to maybe a one-loss team next year and he has a really good year, then I think he can go up on some NFL draft boards and then get drafted. But right now I really don't see him on any uh, draft boards unless it's really late in the draft. 
Somebody feels like they can see Evers and Booty transferring after this season. Booty, yeah, I could see that. Evers, I would be surprised. I don't see it. From- What's your logic on Evers? Is it just the Texas game and the fact that he didn't play in that Texas game? Because, you know, the buzz that we heard from Nick Evers coming in was that basically he was totally cool sitting a year and learning and watching. Now, when things play out the way that things have played out this year for Oklahoma, I'm not sitting up here telling you that you're crazy either, that Nick Evers in some regard was upset that he didn't get a crack in the the Red River game. I'm not sitting here telling you that he is upset. I'm not sitting here telling you that you're crazy for thinking that, you know, uh, there wasn't some of that, right? So I, I, I don't know how necessarily he would feel. I'm just telling you that initially some of the buzz coming in was that he was cool to sit for a year. And if that's genuinely the case and if you felt that way coming in, then I don't know that you're, you know, up in arms one way or the other coming out of that game. And, you know, now at this point, I think it's pretty clear Dylan Gabriel is the, right now, today, the best quarterback on campus. Yeah, for for Booty, I mean – he lit up the junior college stage. He was really a talented kid. He had D1 offers all over the place after he finished his junior college level. I mean, I think he knew coming in that he'd be a backup, but I mean, I don't know if the kid will transfer. I don't know how much he likes OU or if he's fine with being a third-string quarterback at Oklahoma. Okay, DB, Evers playing in the Texas game seriously. He not, threw one pass. Not not the the mop up duty that he got in the yeah that the is Texas that is game. not count that is not count. factually correct and I I hear you out there but I'm saying the fact that he wasn't given really a legitimate chance to go win the game for Oklahoma he was playing with literally no shot to win and try to try try to chew up some clock late in the game but I don't think that's a big point of contention at all now. If he transfers, then probably we're all going to point back and say that maybe that was the moment that it went wrong. But I, I've got no reason to believe that that is the case for Oklahoma. So you're going to have a nice little quarterback room next year if things do stay that way where you've got – A lot better than it was this year, oh, for man, sure. It's going to be <laughs> night and day. If Dylan Gabriel's around and you got both Evers and Arnold, all of a sudden you, you feel really, really good. Uh, what are our chances with Hawkins and Bowen for the 24 class? That's from Don in Tulsa. Again, I will most times on recruiting defer to Parker Thune and Travis Davidson, the guys that are really, really every moment covering that. But I would imagine pretty good. I would imagine pretty good for uh, both asked, of those guys. Someone asked, is, is there not any player on Bigsby OU worthy? Well, OU tried to, tried to get the tight end. Yeah, they – yeah. Was committed at one point to, uh, to Oklahoma and obviously decommitted, Haas did, and uh, – is, is going to Arkansas. So is there somebody that's worthy? Yeah, absolutely. Haas is. And an, initially at one point he was a Sooner commit. So we'll do a break. We'll keep rolling along. Hour two, it's the Plank Show. Talking defense, talking fixes. Kind of got a little uh, off the the beaten path there, that segment. We'll get back to it and just rifle through some of uh, your thoughts out there on this Oklahoma defense. And, wh- I mean, what's realistic? for Oklahoma defensively the rest of the way. That's probably the the best way to phrase a lot of uh, 
a lot of these questions, right, throughout the bye week. What is a realistic ask? Now that we've seen seven games from OU, how much better can it get for the Sooners? We'll toss that around, kick it around. Josh and Connor, it's the Plank Show, home of Sooner fans, on a Friday on the home of Sooner fans. Back with you, it's the Plank Show. Hour two brought to us by Allison Insurance. He is Connor Pasby. I'm Josh Helmer. We're happy you're alongside with us on a Friday. What's everybody think? Are you guys one way or another? We asked this question earlier, but for those that are just joining, inching toward that Friday lunch break, I don't know, some of you maybe taking off a little early on a Friday, getting set for the weekend. Uh, How do you feel? Do you have a rooting interest, Oklahoma State, Texas, this weekend? Does it matter? Uh, Obviously, uh, Oklahoma's not heavily in the Big 12 chase here. Mathematically, not not done in the thing if you win out, but for all intents and purposes, I mean, it's going to take all sorts of help to get back into the Big 12 race. So you're not really impacted in, in that regard. So how do you uh, feel about it, True Sooner? The fact we can take, take care of the little Aggies later, horns down. So rooting for Oklahoma State. Yeah, we got, we got quite a bit of – Rooting for Oklahoma State. Hey, what does that weekend. say from the five eight zero there, Connor? My boy Mason from Enid. How many touchdowns does OSU put up against Texas? Big statement opportunity at home and homecoming. <laughs> How will OSU screw this up? Boy, that is. Uh, well, they screwed it up against TCU and Fort Worth with a big lead. I'm not gonna lie to you, right there. That is an ultimate. That that gift. Well. I'm not going to lie. They had us in the first half. <laughs> that text, you, you got me. I, I thought that was an Oklahoma State fan there for a second. But the, the finish there, uh, v- very nicely done. That was uh, impressive. But Texas has, at times, screwed up some opportunities to win a game. So both teams have had their fair share so far this season. I mean, Oklahoma State looked really solid in that first half against TCU. I really thought they were going to run away with that game. What do you think? I mean, what what kind of a game do you anticipate it being? I would imagine. I don't think it's going to be high scoring. You don't? I don't. I'm going to lean towards I, defenses are going to show out a little better in Stillwater. I think somewhere around the See, I think 20s, there will be. 20s or low 30s. You think it's going to be high scoring? I, I do, yeah, absolutely. I do. It. I mean, at least uh, – at least I think Texas is going to have some success uh, offensively. I was thinking either 34-30 or 34-27. I just don't know which way I'm going towards. I'm seeing the Texas at minus six. Obviously, Vegas knows something. We think. But Oklahoma State has had Texas number recently. Yeah, it's been a weird series, though, where the road team a lot of times plays really, really well uh, over the last decade or so. I think I would pick Oklahoma State for sure if they took care of business in Fort Worth. If they were unbeaten coming into the thing? Yeah, if they were unbeaten coming in. I kind of like them better since they lost. (laughs) I don't don't know if that logic makes any sense. but uh, We we don't know the health on Spencer Sanders. I mean, I didn't see anything. I know he was dealing with a shoulder injury before the game and a little bit during the game, but I didn't see anything after whether he was showing – that he was kind of banged up on the play, but I think he's ready to go unless Vegas knows that Spencer Sanders is out. No, yeah, he's going to play. Yeah. And I don't know that he's as banged up as kind of the perception is out there. That, that 
I mean, obviously could be dead wrong, but I think uh, I think he's all right. He's he's got he's got a couple of nicks and knacks, but uh, I didn't see somebody that physically is having just a world of problems versus TCU last week for Oklahoma via the Air Comfort Solutions text line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Is the problem on defense an athletic problem, or is it mental mistakes? Can anybody answer that? This uh, individual also said, I hate both teams, and I hope Texas wins 3 to nothing in double think, overtime. I think it's both, don't you think? Athletic problem and mental mistakes. Busted coverages, and it feels like at times that OU's defense just looks slow. There's just guys going right by him. There's no doubt that it's both. There's no doubt that it's both, and I don't know. I, generally speaking, tend to err on the side of it's more about who you have on the field. So if you ask me, pick is it more what Oklahoma's doing or not doing schematically or their understanding or lack of understanding, I would say by and large it's it's the guys on the field. Do you agree with that? Or I do, yeah. Where, where do you sit on yeah, that? Yeah, with the guys with the guys on the field. I mean, man, there's times they've put in some younger guys. Like we've seen we're really high on the Canet kid that comes in. Feels like every time he comes in, he makes a play somewhat he's always around the ball we got a good glimpse at Robert Spears Jennings the safety for OU a freshman so there's been some guys coming in and making plays but yeah I think it's definitely on the field there's some mental issues but just from an athletic standpoint the TCU game was littered with those yeah with littered with mental mistakes so many busted coverages on cover three all you gotta do is play back and you get guys going right behind them you just can't have those mental mistakes. But, yeah, I agree. I think it's both from an athletic standpoint and just those mistakes that you just cannot have on the field. Via Kindle, Teddy says it's a lack of understanding the defense and missing their assignments. Well, like we said, I mean, it's definitely a combination of both. But uh, to, to me, a lot of this stems back to they're not as good up front as we were hoping they were going to be up no. front defensively. Yeah. Laulu has uh, – has just been okay for Oklahoma. Jeffrey Johnson, again, is Oklahoma's highest-graded player defensively via PFF. But at any point this season, have you been wowed with what's going on with Jeffrey Johnson? Uh, maybe early in the year when they, when they started getting pressure in that Nebraska game. They've got so many sacks in that game. I was really impressed with the defensive line. But, man, ever since that, there's just been no pressure to the quarterback whatsoever. So I'm not I don't know if I'm really impressed with anybody on the defensive line so far this season. Yeah, and really kind of any level of the defense probably if you're assigning letter grades, I mean is is anybody outside I mean Billy Bowman, what letter grade would you give Billy Bowman? I mean, if he wasn't out with an injury, I mean, oh man. B plus or B minus, I'll go B minus. Okay, well I I was thinking B yeah. B plus. And he would be the highest graded guy. He would, yeah. For me. I, I don't know that anybody else is getting a B- minus and above grade. Yeah, it feels like he's one of the few guys making plays in the secondary on the ball. It'll be interesting to see what OU does coming out of this bye week defensively in terms of maybe if you see some, Yeah, maybe see some different guys come in. A lot more playing time for the younger bunch. We've uh, got to take one final timeout. In hour number two, we're right up against it, and uh, we've got really the the top five stories that 
we have not touched on in the world of sports. We can start Hour 3 with that. And uh, all of your texts and phone calls, we keep rolling along. It's a football Friday. Trying to fix this Oklahoma defense, and uh, we have our work cut out for us right here. It's the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Plank Show, Josh and Connor back with you one final time in Hour 2 next. Overshot the landing a little bit there. My bad on that. Final well, I, I apologize. I had a hot mic to start out the break. So, Gunny from the text line. So, we got Bill coming up on the phone next. Yes, we do. <laughs> and Bill, I, I had a hot mic during the phone call. I, I thought you might. Yeah, it's all good. You didn't. It's good. It's a good thing you're on your best behavior over there. Air Comfort Solutions text line here from you folks this morning, 405-651-3439. Bill, hang tight. We'll uh, we'll give you the full run coming up next uh, when we have a little more time. Hour twos brought to us by Allison Insurance. Check them out, allisoninsurance.com, 405-745-2968. You know, and this is a nice little counter argument from Sean. How does Iowa State with half the resources and a quarter of the talent than Oklahoma play consistently good defense year in and year out. Well, I mean, that is a a fair counterpoint to the idea that this is not coaching related, right? That this is not understanding of the defense and, you know, just execution of the understanding of the defense, right? Yeah, and they got a good system going on at Iowa State. All the guys are bought in. They've got guys that have been under that system for three or four years in their college career. So they've been outstanding on the defensive side of the ball. That's where OU OU fans want to see them play like what Iowa State has been doing on defense recently. Well, you want to get – you want to get the most out of what you've got, right? I mean, I think that's that's what fans would like to see. That's it for hour two. We're out of time in hour number two. It's the Plank Show right here. Back with you. Quick break. Home of Sooner fans.